Before we start the program, I want to introduce you to an event that's coming up this August. The Loma Linda Institute of Worship is offering a worship leadership certificate to help leaders and pastors take their congregation's worship experience to the next level. This August 9-12 through 12 event will include presenters Randy Roberts, Adriana Pereira, Nicholas Zork, Wayne Buckner, Richard Hickam, and more, and provide the opportunity to perform on stage with Steve Green and the Heritage Singers. Come sing, pray, write new music, share testimonies and resources, and grow together with like-minded worship leaders from across the world. Go to LLIW.net to register. Welcome to the Loma Linda University Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by the message. I have three questions for you this morning. And they all have to do with maturity. Could we maybe at the outset agree that chronological age and maturity don't always go together? That sometimes we can meet folk who are quite young, but who are very mature. And we can meet folk that are on the other end of the spectrum and are not mature. Such was the case with Joseph Potok. He was 29 years old on the flight from Toronto to Montego Bay, Jamaica. They were well into the flight already. It was at the beginning of the pandemic back in 2020. When Joseph got up, and announced from the aisle to all the passengers that could hear that he had recently traveled to China and was feeling sick. Neither was true. He had not traveled to China, and he was not feeling sick. But panic spread through the plane. The pilot turned the plane around and went back to Toronto and landed where Joseph was arrested He would later say, I'm an artist. Any publicity is good publicity. This should go viral. 250 people were stranded in Ontario and many others down in Montego Bay. And the whole story left me wanting to say, how old are you? Act your age. Grow up. So we can agree, I think, that chronological age and maturity don't always go together. But I still have three questions about maturity. The first one is this. How do you know if you are an emotionally mature person? Regardless of your age, how do you know if you're an emotionally mature person? I suppose there might be a range of ways that people might seek to answer that question. I I sat down, and after some thought and a little bit of investigation, I put together a list of 10 markers of a mature person. I certainly don't claim that these are the only ones, but maybe they'll prime the pump, get you to thinking about the markers in your own life. So here we go. Able to be responsible for your own life able to live authentically and <clears throat> not behind a mask, <laughs> able to accept your flaws and seek to grow beyond them, able to recognize and own when you're wrong and apologize without blaming, able to live from wisdom and not from fear, able to focus on giving and not always getting, 
able to speak the truth, but to do so in love, able to be flexible yet live from a solid core, able to love others because you know you're loved by God, able to realize and own how much you don't know. So maybe that's a place to would help us to begin thinking about the answer to that question. How do I know if I'm a mature person? But I want to add one more to it, kind of as a summary of all of them together, and it's this one. Able to live beyond oneself and invest in the good of others. How do you know if you're a mature person? Maybe those will help us get started in our thinking about that. That's question number one. Question number two, how do you know if you are a spiritually maturing person? I'm going to make an assumption here that I, on which I think I'm on fairly safe ground. I'm going to assume that most of us here, I mean, after all, we are in church, most of us here are interested in spiritual maturity. We're interested in growing to become more spiritually mature. That being the case, how do you know if you are maturing spiritually? There may be a lot of ways that people might seek to answer that question. Well, I go to church. I go to church every week. I'm a member of a church. I volunteer at church. I read my Bible most days. In fact, I've read my Bible through in the last year. I know the right the orthodox belief system. There are a lot of ways people might seek to answer that question. Now, if your answer is any of those or all of those, I would say, well, those can help along the journey. They're meaningful in the process. But if you're using any or even all of them as an indicator of spiritual maturity, they leave a lot to be desired. So how do we know if we're spiritually growing, spiritually maturing people? I think maybe the best place is to look at what Jesus had to say when he was asked about the great commandment. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus says, I'll give you two of them. First one is, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The other is, love your neighbor as yourself. And John, in his first epistle, will tell us the way you know that you love God with all your heart, soul, and mind is when you do love your neighbor as yourself. Maybe that's what we ought to talk about. I want to share two brief quotes with you, one two-sentence quotes that point us in that direction. The first one from Frederica Matthews Green, a writer and speaker. She says this, The main evidence that we are growing in Christ is not exhilarating prayer experiences, but steadily increasing humble love for other people. If you want to know if you're a spiritually maturing person, maybe the most important place to look is how is my love quotient? This is not a love that has to do with feelings, with emotions, that you're gushing over with warm affection for a person. This has to do with action and principle. You desire the other person's best interest and are willing to work to accomplish that. So she says, 
Steadily increasing humble love for other people. Second quote, Francis Chan, well-known preacher, pastor, and writer. God's definition of what matters is pretty straightforward. He measures our lives by how we love. He measures our lives by how we love. So if we're asking ourselves the question, how do I know if I'm a spiritually maturing person, if I'm growing more mature in Christ, maybe the best question then to ask ourselves is, how am I doing with truly loving other people, especially maybe those people that God places in my life that I wish he hadn't of? So that's our second question. How do we know if we're a spiritually maturing person? By how we love. And the third question, which is our primary focus today. This question has to do with us as a body, not just as individuals. The first two are about us as individuals. This one is a question about us. How do we know as a body if we are growing spiritually mature in Christ as a community? How do we know that? Well, we go to Ephesians. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 4 today, seeking an answer. I have to give a bit of context so the passage will make a bit more sense. First of all, it's at the crease in the book. Paul has spent the first half of the book underlining theologically who we are in Christ. You belong to him, so everything that's his is yours. Since you're his, what's his is yours. That's what he says. All the riches in the heavenly places are ours in Christ. And that means, he says, that he destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, and he made the two one. And then he comes to the crease, the the change in the letter from the first half to the second half. It shouldn't surprise us that he begins with the issue of unity calling on the body of Christ to be united because he's been driving on that theologically in the first half. Unity. But then he uses something from his own world, an image from his own world, to explain the gift of spiritual gifts to the church. In Paul's world, when a conquering general returned from war and entered his home city, There would be a great parade and much celebration. The general, the general's commanding officers, the general's troops, and then finally at the end of the parade would be the prisoners of war. The citizens would celebrate and then they would throw gifts out for their conquering commander, giving him gifts for what he has accomplished. Paul draws on that image to say something about spiritual gifts. He talks about the ascension of Christ after his resurrection, returning to the Father in those terms with one key difference. In Paul's world, when a victorious general would return, the people gave him gifts. In Christ's world, when he, with a parade, ascended to the Father, he gave his people gifts. In the world of Paul, the general got the gifts. In the world of Jesus, the church got the gifts. Then Paul, 
outlines some of the gifts, and finally ends up by talking about their purpose, which is our interest today. Now, as we read through the passage, I want you to take note. We've highlighted and underlined some words to make it easier. I want you to take note how Paul returns in many different ways to the issue of growth. Growth toward maturity in Christ. So take note of that as we read Ephesians 4, starting with verse 7. However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Through and through, in many different ways, Paul emphasizes growth toward maturity. He's not talking about individuals, not about each one of us as a person. He's talking about the body of Christ, about us as a community. And he's saying God placed gifts within the body, the use of which will result in growth toward maturity in Christ. This isn't an exhaustive list. These aren't the only gifts. We know that because there are other lists of gifts in the New Testament. In Paul, there are at least two more, Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. And they're not the same, which tells us that he's using those as examples of what Jesus gives. But there is a subtle difference. In the other passages, Christ is giving his gifts to the members of the church. In this passage, he's taken a group of people and gifted them and then given the people as gifts to the church. Those are the leaders. But notice his point. Gifted leaders are to equip gifted members to do the work of ministry, which results in the maturity of the body of Christ. That's the direction he's moving. Two verses again, verses 12 and 13. Notice, their responsibility, these gifted leaders, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. 
How do we know if we are spiritually maturing as a body? We know it when the body is using its gifts for ministry. There are at least four different ways that that affects the body in this passage. Four different ways that Paul speaks about. One has to do with our relationships, how we treat each other. After all, Paul is very focused on unity here. Very focused on that. In order to be united, we have to be gracious. In fact, he began this chapter by saying, be completely patient and gentle and kind and loving with each other. How we relate to each other matters. He will end this chapter by saying, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. How we relate to each other, that happens through the gifts that God places in our lives. How we follow Jesus how we become like Jesus. That, too, is a part of what happens in this passage. Verse 15 says, as we put the gifts to use, we will become more and more and more like Jesus. We'll go where Jesus went. We'll do what Jesus did. We'll love whom Jesus loved because we're putting to use the gifts that Jesus has placed within us. How we become like Jesus is affected by the gifts. How we minister, how we serve others is also affected by the gifts. In fact, that's the whole point. Equip God's people for the work of service, the work of ministry. That's what he calls us to do. Now, the spiritual gifts can be put to use here within the body of Christ or out there in the world on behalf of the body of Christ. The New Testament is filled with one another's. Love one another, care for one another, forgive one another, encourage one another. That may be where your gift is. But the New Testament is also filled with commands to go out there and love the world. How we serve others. And finally, how we understand Scripture. Did you notice that? Paul... He's a bit relevant for us, a bit scarily so, because he says, I don't want you to be blown about by every wind of doctrine, by every new story, by every newfangled theology, by every speculative theory that comes down the pike. I want you to be grounded in the will and the word of God. So these gifts affect everything about what we do, how we live, how we interact, how we serve. All with one purpose, to grow in Christ, but all with the recognition that it involves all of us. In fact, I want to go back and read the last verse again. Actually, this time I want to read it from the NIV. Notice what verse 16 says. From him, that is from Christ, from him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This is communal. Do we want to grow mature as a body? 
then we all put our gifts to work. M. Craig Barnes, a seminary professor and dean, a pastor and author, someone I followed somewhat over the years. Dr. Barnes tells the story of, of performing a funeral in his congregation. Gentleman died, and the wife said, will you officiate at the service? He spent some time talking with her about the gentleman's life, taking notes. He was struck by one thing. The grieving wife said to him, he worked on the Boeing 747. Back in the years when it was being developed, he worked on it. He spent 15 years of his life investing in the 747. She said, the day that first 747 took off was the happiest day of his life. For 15 years, she said, he had worked on one piece about the size of a loaf of bread. That's all he had worked on for 15 years, but it was essential for the flight of the aircraft. That little loaf of bread-sized component was his. But when he saw that mighty airliner lift off, he said, I was part of that. I contributed. I invested my life into that. That's what Paul is talking about, as each part does its work. Do you want to be mature as a body? Maturity appeals to all of us, even though we forgive and excuse immaturity in our little ones, right? Read just this week. Father and son got onto the elevator at the Empire State Building, riding toward the observation deck. They did what I suppose we all do in elevators, watch those numbers, you know, floor 10, 20, 30. And that little boy watched those numbers grow, 40, 50, 60, 70. He started getting nervous. He moved over by his dad more closely. He grabbed his dad's hand, dad's hand, and then he said, Daddy, does God know we're coming? <laughs> we smile. But if that was a 60-year-old man, we wouldn't smile because there's the expectation that we will grow toward maturity. And Paul says there's the same expectation in the body of Christ. Now, I think Paul might have had it a bit easier than preachers do today in this sense. Paul is writing to a church where things are quite new. We estimate that Paul wrote the letter to the Ephesians somewhere between A.D. 60 and 62. Christianity as a faith, as a new religion, is less than three decades old or about three decades old. That's very new. Ephesus. We believe that the first time Ephesus heard the gospel was when Paul visited Ephesus in A.D. 52 and left Aquila and Priscilla there to, to form a church, to nurture a church. So if he did that in 52 and wrote to them in 60 to 62, then the Ephesian church was maybe 8 to 10 years old. So when you're writing to people who are adherents of an entirely new religion that's about 30 years old, living in a church that's 8 to 10 years old, it makes sense that you say, grow up. It's time to grow up. 
those of us who preach today have a little bit of a different challenge. Our faith is 2,000 years old. Our church? Marvin Ponder tells me that on December 29, 1928, some two, 300 people walked out of the church on the hill, now known as Campus Hill Church, to form a new church called the College Church, now our church, University Church, leaving about 680 members on the hill. That means our church is 94 years old. So we're reading a passage from Paul today in which Paul says, grow up to a faith that's been around 2,000 years and to a church that's 94 years old. Don't get mad at me. I'm just reading the passage. But he is speaking to us as certainly as he was speaking to the Ephesians. And right there, I as a pastor must apologize. It became crystal clear to me this week. Though I've thought of it many other times, it came home with stunning clarity. I, as one of the leaders, as one of the pastors, along with my pastoral colleagues, along with other leaders in this church, we owe you a sincere, a heartfelt apology. Friends, we have stolen ministry from you. We have been the ones who have been called to empower you for ministry. I understand that the passage says there is a role for preachers and teachers, pastors. Absolutely, I get that. But the primary role within the body of Christ is for its leaders to equip its members for them to do the work of ministry. And I must say I'm sorry. We have allowed ourselves to get deviated because that then creates a consumer mentality that is foreign to the Christian faith of the New Testament. As though somehow just coming here would make us Christians, growing Christians. The flashy evangelist Billy Sunday of yesteryear on one occasion said, being in church doesn't make you any more Christian than being in a garage makes you a car. He was right. Paul says the way to grow to maturity is to put your gifts to use in the body or in the world. And friends, today we have a stunning example of that. Just before the sermon began, we watched a video. David. I see David most weeks. You've seen David dozens, hundreds of times over the years. Quietly working, part of our media team, coming and going, organizing us. David has been a longtime member of Loma Linda University Church. He's been a longtime media volunteer. He's been a longtime faithful employee of Loma Linda University Health. I knew all of that about David. But what I didn't know, but I guess I would say I knew in little pieces and hints, what I didn't know fully was that David put other gifts to work. 
that into the heart of this young man, God planted seeds of mercy and hospitality and kindness. Just a boy. And that he took some kids to church. How much more simple can it get? Gave them a ride to church again and again and again. You saw the story. David nurtured and watered those gifts that God had placed in his heart, and they grew. Do you know who else grew? Those kids grew. You know who else grew? Their kids grew. You know who else grew? Their kids grew. So that by the time they take a picture of this single man, I stopped on my computer. I pressed pause. I counted them. Seventeen members of his family. Seventeen. Young single boy putting his gift to work on behalf of the body of Christ has made a difference for generations. Can you imagine what it would look like if a church filled with people did that? No wonder Paul says, as you use these gifts, you will grow to maturity in Christ. You know who else grew? David grew. David grew to maturity in Christ. You say, how do you know that, Randy? Very simply, because the way we measure our growth to maturity in Christ is what? By how well we love. There on the screen, you saw that example of somebody who has grown, grown toward maturity in Christ. Folks, we can't escape it. If this church is to grow to maturity in Christ, we need your gifts. That's what Paul says. That's what David shows. We all want to be mature people. We all want to be mature spiritual people. Don't we yearn to be a mature body of Christ followers? Paul gives us a way. You leaders equip the members, and you members do the work of ministry, and you will grow to maturity in Christ. This is our second step. All I'm asking today is that you do two things. That you would prayerfully open your heart to God and say, God, I'm scared, but I'm willing. I'm willing. Will you show me what you would call me to do? And then prayerfully do the second thing. When you show me, God, give me the courage to do it. Because my church needs me. My church needs my gifts because without that, it will never grow to maturity in Christ. Gracious God, we are we're moved, we're stunned that you would place within us gifts, gifts from the conquering king to his people. 
Lord, open our hearts, make us willing, and then give us courage to act. In Jesus' name, amen. Find more podcasts, videos, church events, and how you can support the Loma Linda University Church at lluc.org.